Hi, it's Cooper. I'd like to know a little bit more about you, the listeners. So I made a little survey. It's just four tiny questions and should take about one minute to complete. The link is at the top of the show notes. Thank you so much, and let's get on with the show. Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is A Little English. Every episode, I read a short story. After the story, there are three tiny lessons. Today, we are going to continue with The Hanging Stranger. Again, this story is definitely not for children. And if you thought it was weird before, hang on. At the end of the last part, Ed Loyce was on the run. He had seen a dead guy hanging from a lamp post, but he was the only one who was worried about it. Everyone else thought that a dead guy hanging from a lamp post was just fine. Ed wound up in a police car, but he didn't recognize the cops, so he ran away. Are you ready for more scares? Here we go. He was at the entrance of an alley, dark and strewn with boards and ruined boxes and tires. He could see the street at the far end. A street light wavered and came on, men and women, stores, neon signs, cars. And to his right, the police station. He was close, terribly close. Past the loading platform of a grocery store rose the white concrete side of the Hall of Justice. Barred windows, the police antenna. A great concrete wall rising up in the darkness. A bad place for him to be near. He was too close. He had to keep moving, get farther away from them. Them? Lois moved cautiously down the alley. Beyond the police station was the city hall. The old-fashioned yellow structure of wood and gilded brass and broad cement steps. He could see the endless rows of offices, dark windows, 
the cedars and beds of flowers on each side of the entrance. And something else. Above the city hall was a patch of darkness, a cone of gloom denser than the surrounding night, a prism of black that spread out and was lost into the sky. He listened. Good God, he could hear something. Something that made him struggle frantically to close his ears, his mind to shut out the sound. A buzzing, a distant muted hum like a great swarm of bees. Lois gazed up, rigid with horror. The splotch of darkness hanging over City Hall. Darkness so thick it seemed almost solid. In the vortex something moved. Flickering shapes. Things descending from the sky, pausing momentarily above the city hall, fluttering over it in a dense swarm and then dropping silently onto the roof. Shapes. Fluttering shapes from the sky, from the crack of darkness that hung above him. He was seeing them. For a long time, Lois watched, crouched behind a sagging fence in a pool of scummy water. They were landing, coming down in groups, landing on the roof of the city hall and disappearing inside. They had wings, like giant insects of some kind. They flew and fluttered and came to rest, then crawled, crab fashion, sideways across the roof and into the building. He was sickened, and fascinated. Cold night wind blew around him, and he shuddered. He was tired, dazed with shock. On the front steps of the city hall were men, standing here and there. Groups of men coming out of the building and halting for a moment before going on. Were there more of them? It didn't seem possible. What he saw descending from the black chasm weren't men. They were alien from some other world, some other dimension. Sliding through this slit, this break in the shell of the universe, entering through this gap, winged insects from another realm of being. On the steps of the city hall, a group of men broke up. A few moved toward a waiting car. 
one of the remaining shapes started to re-enter the city hall. It changed its mind and turned to follow the others. Lois closed his eyes in horror. His senses reeled. He hung on tight, clutching at the sagging fence. The shape, the man shape, had abruptly fluttered up and flapped after the others. It flew to the sidewalk and came to rest among them. Pseudo-men. Imitation men, insects with ability to disguise themselves as men. Like other insects familiar to Earth, protective coloration, mimicry. Lois pulled himself away. He slowly got to his feet. It was night. The alley was totally dark, but maybe they could see in the dark. Maybe darkness made no difference to them. He left the alley cautiously and moved out onto the street. Men and women flowed past, but not so many now. At the bus stops stood waiting groups. A huge bus lumbered along the street, its lights flashing in the evening gloom. Lois moved forward. He pushed his way among those waiting, and when the bus halted, he boarded it and took a seat in the rear by the door. A moment later, the bus moved into life and rumbled down the street. Lois relaxed a little. He studied the people around him. Dulled, tired faces. People going home from work. Quite ordinary faces. None of them paid any attention to him. All sat quietly, sunk down in their seats, jiggling with the motion of the bus. The man sitting next to him unfolded a newspaper. He began to read the sports section, his lips moving. An ordinary man. Blue suit, tie, a businessman or a salesman, on his way home to his wife and family. Across the aisle, a young woman, perhaps 20, dark eyes and hair, a package on her lap, nylons and heels, red coat and white angora sweater gazing absently ahead of her. A high school boy in jeans and a black jacket. A great triple-chinned woman with an immense shopping bag, loaded with packages and parcels. Her face, 
her thick face dim with weariness. Ordinary people, the kind that rode the bus every evening, going home to their families, to dinner, going home with their minds dead, controlled, filmed over with the mask of an alien being that had appeared and taken possession of them, their town, their lives, himself too, except that he happened to be deep in his cellar instead of in the store. Somehow, he had been overlooked. They had missed him. Their control wasn't perfect, foolproof. Maybe there were others. Hope flickered in Lois. They weren't omnipotent. They had made a mistake, not got control of him. Their net, their field of control, had passed over him. He had emerged from his cellar as he had gone down. Apparently, their power zone was limited. A few seats down the aisle, a man was watching him. Lois broke off his chain of thought. A slender man, with dark hair and a small mustache. Well-dressed, brown suit and shiny shoes. A book between his small hands. He was watching Lois, studying him intently. He quickly turned away. Lois tensed. One of them? Or another they had missed? The man was watching him again. Small, dark eyes, alive and clever. Shrewd. A man too shrewd for them. Or one of the things itself. An alien insect. From beyond. The bus halted. An elderly man got on slowly and dropped his token into the box. He moved down the aisle and took a seat opposite Lois. The elderly man caught the sharp-eyed man's gaze. A split second, something passed between them. A look rich with meaning. Lois got to his feet. The bus was moving. He ran to the door, one step down into the well. He yanked the emergency door release. The rubber door swung open. Hey! The driver shouted, jamming on the brakes. What the hell? Lois squirmed through. The bus was slowing down. Houses on all sides, a residential district, lawns and tall apartment buildings. Behind him, the bright-eyed man had leaped up. Elderly man was also on his feet. They were coming after him. Lois leaped. He hit the pavement with terrific force and rolled against the curb. 
pain lapped over him. Pain and a vast tide of blackness. Desperately, he fought it off. He struggled to his knees and then slid down again. The bus had stopped. People were getting off. Lois groped around. His fingers closed over something. A rock lying in the gutter. He crawled to his feet, grunting with pain. A shape loomed before him. A man. The bright-eyed man with the book. Lois kicked. The man gasped and fell. Lois brought the rock down. The man screamed and tried to roll away. Stop! For God's sakes, listen! He struck again. A hideous crunching sound. The man's voice cut off and dissolved in a bubbling wail. Lois scrambled up and back. The others were there now, all around him. He ran awkwardly down the sidewalk, up a driveway. None of them followed him. They had stopped and were bending over the inert body of the man with the book, the bright-eyed man who had come after him. Had he made a mistake? But it was too late to worry about that. He had to get out, away from them, out of Pikeville, beyond the crack of darkness, the rent between their world and his. I think that's a pretty good place to stop for today. Yeah, Ed just murdered a guy. The question is, was it a guy? Or was it a horrible bug monster? Are there even any bug monsters? Or is Ed going crazy? This is the kind of stuff I was talking about with Philip K. Dick, the author of this story. You never really know what's going on. Maybe Ed's crazy, and maybe he's not. And which one would be more horrible? Anyway, how about some lessons? The big picture is looking pretty dark today. Here's kind of a really big picture question. What is Philip K. Dick trying to say about normal people? 
like the people on the bus. Does he like them? Why do you think so? I know what I think. I think he hates them. Not only because he suggests that maybe all the people on the bus are horrible bug monsters from another dimension, but also because he uses words like dull, dim, and ordinary to describe them. He also suggests that they might be mind-controlled by aliens. Let's dance at the dictionary disco like zombies in that Michael Jackson video. The first word is kind of a combination word. Pseudo-men. Pseudo means fake or not real. So pseudo-men are fake men. Bug monsters. The second word is omnipotent. Omni means everything, and potent means powerful. So he's saying that the bug monsters are not totally powerful. If they are real, of course. Maybe a melody moment? Talking about voicing more. Let's talk about S and Z, or S and Z. They're almost the same sound, just Z is voiced and S is unvoiced. Where it gets interesting is at the end of words. In the story, a lady is wearing nylons and heels. Both of those words finish with the letter S, but the sound is definitely a Z. How about shapes? That finishes with a S sound. Monsters? That's a Z. There's another one we'll talk about another time. For now, I would like you to decide. Is Ed crazy? Or are there really bug monsters? Why do you think so? Maybe write it down before you listen to part three. And... Let's read the credits. Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 2 of A Little English. Every episode is produced entirely by me, Edward Cooper Howland, here in Hiroshima, Japan. If you like the show, tell someone about it. 
A recommendation from a friend is the best way to get someone to listen, and I would really appreciate it. The stories I read are in the public domain, and I get them from standardebooks.org, which is a really good website, and you should check it out. Again, thank you so much for listening. For now, be kind to yourselves and to each other.